Hello, everyone. Welcome to Gallery Church. My name is Lana, and I'm one of the elders here. We are so thankful that you've joined us today. Please take note that we are using our app to communicate with you. If you don't have it, please download it from the Apple App Store of your choice by searching Gallery Church Baltimore. I would like you to notice three important places in the app. Prayer requests, where you can submit prayers and pray for one another, teaching notes corresponding to each of the teachings every week, and ministry guide under the More tab, which helps us see the flow of each service. Please save two dates on your calendars. Pentecost Sunday is a special time to celebrate the church. Make sure you register for Sunday, May 23rd. Mark your calendars also for Sunday, June the 20th. We will be hosting a special all-church covenant family meeting. More details to come on that soon. Additionally, we would like you to ask you to consider volunteering for the following service opportunities at our church. Audio and video team who help set up equipment and slides for each of our services. Welcome team who greet everyone at the gate as they arrive. Gallery Kids, a team that serves our little ones and shows them how to practice the love of Christ. Worship team and band, who faithfully lead us in worship of our Father every service. Growth community facilitators, who help nourish our church members and help us live out the gospel day to day. If you serve in either of these roles just once a month, We believe it will be a wonderful way to help our church live out its purpose in Baltimore and all over the world. As we enter into this gathering now, let's pause together and be still. Breathe slowly. Let's recenter our scattered brains upon the presence of God. Say this prayer with me out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for giving us another day. We thank you, Lord, for giving us this place, Lord God, where we can come and worship freely, meet one another, learn from one another, and participate in teaching and worship, Lord God, and in communion together as brothers and sisters. As we come together in worship and as we um, prepare our hearts for what you are going to teach us today, Help us, Lord, be centered on you. Remove any distractions, Lord. And I ask that we will leave changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's enter into a time of focus on generosity now. There is a generosity prayer we have added into our app notes today, if you'd like to follow along. It is so important that we keep the character of our Father in heaven in front of us, as well as his will for our lives. He has displayed generosity, and we desire to follow his example. Please join me in this generosity prayer now. Father in heaven, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstanding the delusion of riches that chokes the word, 
whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. Amen. Welcome to week five of our seven-week series, A Culture of Goodness. A church's culture matters. We believe that as we live in a culture, our culture begins to live in and into us. How we understand and feel about our Father in Heaven is formed and fostered by the church we attend. This week, our focus is on forming a people-first culture. God's plan for us includes relationships with others. It's about people being good to one another. When we learn a godly perspective, we can effectively talk to our neighbors about Jesus as Lord of all, and we will live good lives that announce the good news of Jesus Christ. I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize that he is unique. I end the program by saying, you've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the world like you, and I like you just the way you are. Fred Rogers The vision of the New Testament turns us away from individualism and toward committed relationships with other people. Laura Berenger and Scott McKnight Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. 1 John 4.20 Good morning, Gallery Church. My name is Paula, and I'm one of the elders at church. I'm so glad that you could join us today. This week's lesson is a continuation on, of our study on the topic of forming a goodness culture a culture that is reflected in the church that seeks to be like our Lord Jesus Christ, who came to earth to show us what love is about and how to love people. Today, we will be talking about how tough churches nurture a people-first culture. Jesus is the biggest example of compassion, kindness, and sacrificial love that we have in the Bible. But you already know that, right? So I'm here to... to go through some examples of how we can love in that same way. Putting people first means that we prioritize them. We love them as Jesus said we should love them. Luke 10, 27 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And... Love your neighbors, your neighbors as yourself. 
What a challenge this command is. Loving God with everything that we have, with our mind, with our hearts, with our souls, and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. How much do you love yourself? What are the things that you like to do that make you happy and fulfilled? Think about this morning. From the moment you woke up to this exact moment, what are the things that you did that pleased yourself, that made you happy? What were your concerns? What were your joys? Now, think about others. Were you able to show love to others? Were you able to care or treat anybody the same way you treated yourself? Now, for those going to church this morning, did you think of anybody else besides yourself? Did you think that you would come and learn and encourage and show kindness to others? Or were you just thinking about consuming and learning and absorbing? How much do you love yourself? How much do you love God? How much do you love others? As we read in 1 John 4.20, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brothers and sisters whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So we can't live a life saying that we love God, but we don't love our brothers and sisters. It doesn't make sense. And do you know why this is so hard to do? Because it's, it's easy to love God and it's easy to love the people that love us, but it's hard to love everybody else as we love ourselves. And it's hard to do because we live in a culture that preaches that we need to do anything that make us happy, that we are not to suffer anything, that you can make whatever decision you, you can as long as you are benefiting from it, that each person is to deal with their own struggles. So we don't share anything. We don't trust people anymore. And we're not there to listen to their problems, to help them. It's each one by themselves. Because of the pandemic, we have even been more isolated from one another and from church. And it became all about us and our needs. And with a click of a button, you can just do your shopping. You can buy clothes, you can buy food, you can buy toys, presents, whatever. And the same thing happens at church. With one click, you can click on YouTube and you can choose which church you want to uh, attend to this morning. You can see, well, maybe I don't want to listen to Paula. Maybe I want to listen to somebody else. And you choose the kind of worship that you want to listen to. What are the songs you want to listen to? And while this is all good, technology is good for us and is helping us a lot. Um, once again, we end up putting ourselves in the first place, pleasing our own needs and our own desires and ultimately our own flesh. And we fail to care and even think about others. But in reality, this kind of culture is not something new. It's not because of the pandemic. This has come a long way. 
And when I think about my kids, uh, I have two kids. I, I think I am reminded of the relationship I have with my brother. Uh, he's eight years younger. And we, and when we were little, we used to fight over a lot of things. My mom asked me if I could take care of him and I didn't want to. It was, he was somebody boring to be around because he was too young. He couldn't play with us, but I still had to take care of him. And one of our biggest arguments was because of some cookies. Uh, we have these cookies in Brazil called traquinas, and I'm going to bring some to church. Um, and we, we both loved it very much. It's like the Oreos, but with chocolate on the inside and outside. It's delicious. And we used to fight over it a lot. And my mom would be like, here's your pack. You both decide whoever eats it or whatever. I don't care. And we would fight and have arguments about it. Oh, you ate two and I ate three and, and I need one more. And, and it was like all the time like that. So with time, I learned how to fight for, for that, for those cookies. Um, and, and this was uh, when, I, when we were little. But time passed and I started working, helping in church. And one day I was in the car with, with Rogério and with other kids uh, on the back of our car. And we were sharing snacks And I had this pack of, of biscuits of cookies with me and I did not share them with the kids. I know it's embarrassing, but I was eating it by myself, kind of like hiding it. And Rogério looked at me and he was like, what? You're not sharing? You're not going to share it with them? And I know this is a silly example, but I know that maybe many of you in life have learned or have experienced challenges and tough situations where you had to prioritize yourself because nobody else would. So maybe in one way or another, you learn how to put yourself first time and time again. You learn how to protect your interests and your desires. But I'm here to remind you today that this is not what the gospel is about. This is not the example that Christ has set For, has set for us. He lived a life where he could have anything, right? He could have asked the angels to feed him when he was hungry or to kill his enemies. Uh, he could have asked to come down from the cross and the angels would have done it. But yet he humbled himself and gave his own life for us. He put others before, before his own life. In many occasions, he did not care about the rules, the hierarchies, what people thought about him, because he cared about people. He loved people. When he spoke to the Samaritan woman, he didn't care of what others would talk about uh, or, or what others would think about him. When he healed on a Saturday and he was confronted about that, he prioritized that man because because he could have said, I'm not going to heal that man. Yet, he healed that man. When he ate with Zacchaeus, he saw the transformed man that he could be. When he died for you and me at the cross, he set the example of sacrificial love, of putting others before ourselves.
And how many times have you and I used excuses? I don't have time. Uh, my life is super busy. I don't have the resources. I don't have the money. I don't have the energy to help others. We need to be a church that loves people and that cares deeply for people. And as Rogério shared last week, the church culture is created by people like you and me who come together and think alike. The church, in this case, is not about the building or just the, the church staff. A goodness culture is created by people like us. We need to love people. We need to treat people with integrity, respect, responsibility, fairness, compassion, and kindness. And these are basic human values, really. We don't have to care about where are they from, the, their skin color, their accent, uh, or whatever. We are to love one another. So I want to share with you five essential practices that you can exercise with the ones around you. Number one, treat people as people. There's a saying that says, there are no strangers here, only friends you have not met yet. And uh, each one of us, if you think about it, each one of us have our own names. We have our own histories, our stories. Some people are doing well. Some people around us are not doing so well. Some people are rich. Some people are poor. Some people are in between. Some people need uh, counseling and help and are wounded. Some people are healing. Some people are healed and are helping healing others. Take all this into consideration next time you interact with others. And I'm not only talking about people in church, but outside churches as outside church as well. When you are in the traffic jam or when you are at an, a doctor's appointment, when you interact with others, do you show love? Are you able to express love and to put others before yourself? Matthew 7, 12 says, do to others as you would like them to do to you. Number two, enfold others into the community. You know, everyone wants to feel welcomed and to belong and feel valued. So start building relationships. Learn people's names. Don't just go to church and call people brothers and sisters, but learn people's names. Share your stories. Be able to sit down and listen to their stories as well. Include them into the life of church family. Sometimes it's good to, to be around with friends in church, but sometimes we, we tend to forget others that are new or that don't have many friends. So let's try to be intentional about the people we have around church, uh, in church and outside church as well. And this could mean that you, you might have to invite them uh, to your home and, and eat with them. This might be a strategy. Uh, I want to give you an example of what we did in Brazil. Uh, we, we noticed, our youth group noticed that we needed to invite more and more people to church. But our friends and colleagues were not going to church. They were like, mm, skeptical about really the building. 
Some of them were hurt. Some of them were like, well, I don't want to be around church people. I think they're weird or there are too many rules. So we, we came up with a strategy. I, I'm, I know it's not new, but uh, we started doing barbecues every Saturday. So every Saturday night, we would do some barbecues in somebody's home. Um, and we would just be there eating together, uh, worshiping. So somebody would be playing the guitar, others would be singing, uh, we would be, but we were intentional about it. We were not just chatting. We were there to get to know other people. Uh, and we started learning their names and they learned our names. They, they learned uh, our stories. We learned theirs. And soon we were friends and we were connected. And then it, it became easy to bring them to church. They became ultimately part of our church family, a lot of them. So you have to create the environment for healthy relationships to form. Relationship building takes time. Over time, we learn one another's names and stories. We learn one another's ways. And this happens until we become true siblings in Christ. It takes time for strangers to become a family. But it's so beautiful to see um, we've been, Rogério and I have been to churches in, uh, when we lived in England, we've been to churches in Germany. And just by uh, being there, we had never uh, really uh, spent a lot of time, but just being a couple of days with them, it was so special. Like we, we felt like as siblings, really, with, with, uh, with the German church. And when we traveled to other places, we also felt welcomed because those people were intentional uh, in terms of relationship. So we need to do that here as well. We need to be intentional with our neighbors, with our colleagues, with people at church. We need to engage with one another. When you do that, it's impossible not to treat people as people because you get to know them, you get to know their hearts. So there's nothing uh, in between you and them. How many of you have been to church retreats? I have been to plenty. And in the beginning, sometimes you look at somebody and you say, well, I don't think I would get along with so-and-so. Uh, but then as soon as you start like engaging and talking and sharing and listening and praying, uh, you start loving that, that person. And all of a sudden you become friends and you want to spend more and more time together. We just need to be intentional and treat people as we would like to be treated. Number three, recognize all people as made in the image of God. And this one is very special. Imagine when you interact with somebody, think God designed this person to be his image bearer. In Genesis, God uh, Genesis 1.26, we read, let us make them in our image. Colossians 1.15 also says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the one true image of God. He is our example. And as Christians, we are being transformed day by day to become the image of Christ. So when you look at somebody Look at them with love. 
look at them thinking he is the image of God. This person, regardless of their skin color, of their nationality, of whatever, this person is made to be an image of God. Ephesians says, Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So each person is designed by God to look like Christ. We are to give everyone respect and honor for who they are, regardless of their sinful choices, regardless of their past, regardless of, as I mentioned, skin color or because it's a woman or a man or we are to love one another because God made us all to be like him, to look like Christ. Always see their potential and not only their current condition or situation. Number four, treat people as siblings. Maybe you didn't have siblings like I did, or maybe you didn't have a good relationship with them. But you know, siblings care for one another. They look out for one another. Even though my brother and I had arguments over cookies, we cared for one another. So when I saw other kids uh, teasing him, teasing him, I would go and defend him. Uh, I would stand for him. Uh, and he was also very protective of me, even though he was younger. Siblings protect, believe, and trust one another. They see the good and the bad and love each other anyway. The essence of a family is relationship. In Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. How powerful these words are. If we could only listen to that and understand that we are to love our brothers and sisters as we love ourselves. There's no difference between us. We need to know who we belong to. And we belong to the same family, to the one Father. Number five, develop a Jesus-like eye. Jesus saw past appearance, appearances. He had compassion. And he went straight to the heart. His heart was filled with mercy. He cared for people. And I want you uh, to end this message uh, sharing uh, a story on Luke 5, 18 to 20, that says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles and in, into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, 
He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. How beautiful this story is. And this man did what we're supposed to do, to put people first. So they didn't care how embarrassing it would be. They didn't care that maybe other people would talk about them. They didn't care about the crowd. I'm sure they they had plenty of excuses, but they, they climbed up the roof. They went up there and lowered this man through the tiles. Imagine the whole logistics of doing that with a paralyzed man on a mat. And they did that and they were able to lower him down right in front of Jesus. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith, he didn't see the faith of only the paralyzed man. He saw their faith. So the friends had faith that his friend, the paralyzed man, would be healed. And Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And not only were his sins forgiven, but he was also healed. So I want to challenge you this morning. Think of all, the, of all the friends, of the colleagues, of the people around you, your neighbors that are paralyzed. Maybe it's not a physical uh, policy, but a, maybe a, a, an emotional policy. Think of all the ones that are struggling, that need Jesus, that need to come to him, but maybe they don't know how to. Maybe they can't uh, because they've been hurt in the past. And it's time now to put people first. It's time to serve as we learned last week. So I'd like you to think of them. And they need you to carry them to Jesus so they can be healed. They need you to step in and do that for them. We need to love people. We need to truly and deeply care for people, for the people that are around us. And if we do that, Jesus will heal them and will forgive their sins. This is so powerful. We need to do that. And I want to finalize with a, a verse from John 13, 34 to 35. We've read this in the past when Pastor Ellis was preaching but it says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is very powerful. Jesus is saying that people will know that we are his disciples, not because we're saying so, not because we're dressed like Christians, not because we uh, sing songs or, or whatever. It is because we love one another. So I pray that this morning you and I are able to open our eyes and see the people around us and starting loving them as we love ourselves and loving our God with all our hearts and minds and strength. And I pray that this will transform and change the lives of the people around us. And it will change our lives too. Thank you. As we reflect on this teaching, I'd like to ask you to join me in this prayer together. 
God, I ask your prayers for your people throughout the world. For our leaders, Pastor Ellis and Ginger, for this gathering, for all ministers and people of your church. Pray for the church. I ask your prayers for peace, for goodwill among nations, and for the well-being of all people, praying for justice and peace. I ask your prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison. Pray for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for all who seek God or a deeper knowledge of Him. Pray that they may find and be found by Him. I ask your prayers for the departed. Pray for those who are grieving their deaths. Praise God for those in every generation in whom Christ has been honored. We pray that we may have grace to glorify Jesus Christ in our own day. Amen.